Hello again, everybody. John Porteous for the Lovells Township Historical Society, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. This week's guest is John Walters. Glenn and I uh, really enjoyed this conversation and uh, learning more about John's path to freshwater conservancy leadership, and I think you will as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, uh, greetings, podcast uh, listeners. Uh, this is uh, Glenn Eberly with uh, John Porteous for the Lovells Township Historical Society, and this is podcast number what, John? Uh, this will be our 12th, Glenn. Oh, good. Okay. And today uh, we have a longtime uh, fisherman, conservationist, uh, personal friend, uh, mentor, uh, just an all-around great guy named John Walters joining us from uh, Salida, Colorado, which is a little town uh, above 8,000 feet. And we're delighted to have you here with us, John. Uh, say hello to the troops. Glenn, thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Uh, John, good to see you. Good to hear from you as well. Likewise, John. And, and uh, Mr. Walters, this is just a chit-chat. We talk about your background and and I guess uh, uh, John Porteous and I are very interested in, in getting to know a little bit about how you got involved in fly fishing. What was the, what was the first trigger that got you in the river fly fishing? Well, great question, Glenn. Thanks for asking. Um, and I'll start even what got me into trout fishing before fly fishing. I uh, was recently married to my wife, Sue, and her brother... Uh, Danny Ellison asked me if I had an old pair of blue jeans and tennis sh- old tennis shoes because he wanted to take me trout fishing. And he's a spin fisherman, uh, and we fished the headwaters of the pigeon. So that was my home water from day one. Uh, I had never been trout fishing before. I didn't know really anything about what I was doing, and we're in this small stream. Uh, I was hung up in the tag alders in the trees more than I was in the water, but I had a fabulous time. So that was the beginning, and I think that was around 94 or 95, so I'm a little bit later okay. uh, to fly fishing than the average folk, but uh, I'm certainly quite passionate about it. So uh, I, my wife and I then got involved in spin fishing for trout and uh, really enjoyed it and loved the water and loved the exploration of different beats, different stretches. But I watched ESPN Outdoors in the mid-90s and was totally enamored by fly fishing. Hmm. It didn't matter if it was in the river, if it was in the ocean. If there was a fly fishing show on ESPN Outdoors, I was watching it. So one day I said, Sue, I'm going to buy a fly rod and reel. She says, but you don't fly fish. I said, how can you go fly fishing if you don't have a fly rod and reel? She says, go ahead, don't break the bank. So that was the beginning of the beginning of fly fishing for me. I went to the Elkhorn shop in Gaylord, which is no longer there, and uh, bought my first fly rod and reel, Cortland, eight foot four weight, uh, which was really fun. Uh, And I was casting primarily in the yard, didn't know really how to manipulate the fly rod and reel the river so I was doing a lot of casting in the yard 
and I was fumbling mightily. So I went back to the Elkhorn shop, and the uh, father of the two owners, they were brothers, uh, asked me if I had my fly rod with me, and I said yes. So we went out to the parking lot, and I got my first lesson on casting from Fred Schnook from the Elkhorn shop uh, in the parking lot in the, behind the uh, behind the oh shop. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I think you made up for a late start, uh, John. Uh, I, I spent some time in the river. Uh, golly, I think I, I had the pleasure to meet you at our first trout opener probably in 2003, and um, you were uh, a premier uh, trout fisherman at that time, so it didn't take you too long uh, to get the hang of it and to enjoy this wonderful sport. Yeah, the, the funny thing about uh, getting started with fly fishing is uh, my wife Sue went to Joburg High School, and she played basketball for uh, Rick Guild, who was the coach. Well, Rick Guild is the father to Joe Guild, the guide. Ah. And he says, and this is like in the late 90s. I want to say 98, 99, not long after Joe got started in guiding. And he was working a little bit for Rusty, but not full time at, at that time. So uh, mm-hmm. we hooked up with Joe on a private guided trip. Uh, and so Sue knew Joe from when he was brought home from the hospital, if you will. And, and there was a lot of really great memories uh, rekindled there. So that's where Sue and I first began fly fishing was in Joe Guild's boat. Oh, for God's sakes. And we had, uh, we had Joe on a, a podcast not too long ago. Yes, he did a great job. Yeah, we did. He was good. Uh, he's a hell of a good guy too. He knows uh, he knows yeah. an awful lot about uh, what the ways of the trout. I tell people, if you pull away Joe's collar on either side, uh, just above his, his, you'll you'll see gills on either side there. <laughs> yeah, that's Joe Guile. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So John, well, let me, long, let me uh, ask you. With him. Oh, that's terrific. He's he's a good guy, and I don't know his father, but I've heard good things about him, John. Oh, fabulous uh, guy. You know, I, I think a lot of our listeners know about uh, your work in conservation, and, and just to summarize a little bit of it, you, uh, you were involved in the Headwaters TU chapter and eventually became the chairman of that, and uh, I believe you built that chapter to be... Uh, chapter of the year for TU in Michigan, maybe more than once, um, and I was part of that chapter under your guidance for a while, um, and then you, you've also been a member of the Anglers of the Osable, and uh, eventually received a uh, gubernatorial appointment to uh, Michigan Natural Resource Commission, and that's a heck of a string of uh, uh, successes in the area of conservation, John. Could you could you tell our listeners how that started, uh, how you got involved in TU, and then anglers, and then the final uh, big big push to uh, to get you in as a commissioner of uh, natural resources? That, that, I think that would be a wonderful story. Oh, sure. Uh, so I was really hanging around Gates Lodge quite a bit in about 2001, 2002, 2003, and um, – you know the relationship that Rusty had with newcomers. He was very quiet. 
And uh, so I'd try to strike up a conversation with them from time to time, and I got nowhere. And, and so one time I said, yep, I'm going to fly stealth tonight. And he says, what does flying stealth mean? I said, well, my wife and I have our fishing equipment in the truck. We get home from work. We fly under the radar. We get to the river. We fish for four hours, we come home, and we do it all over again. And nobody knows where we were. Nobody, is no, nobody knows where we've been. And we do it every day. He mm. says, that really makes me mad. And cool. it shocked me. And I said, why does that make you mad? He says, when are you going to start giving back to the places that you love so much? And I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, today. He says, what do you mean today? I said, today is the day that I become a conservationist, and I'll hang out here more, and I'll participate, and I will listen, and I'll ask questions. And so that was the be beginning there. of conservation for me. Um, and at the time, that's right when the Mason Track battle began. There was some coaster brook trout issues that were on the forefront. There were some, a couple other issues that were taking place, and I asked Rusty, Where's TU in all this? He says, that's a great question. You should ask them. So I wrote at the time the uh, chairman of Michigan TU, the executive director, and the executive board of Michigan TU a letter asking, where are, where are you on these conservation issues? Not thinking that I would get a letter back. Uh, I just kind of let it go. Well, about 30 days later, I got a letter back. And I thought, okay. I am not an armchair quarterback. I am going to be involved. And so I started asking questions about where is the closest chapter for Trout Unlimited in Gaylord? Well, there was one in Gaylord. I just didn't know about it. And so mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if I could if I could run a chapter, what would it look like? So I, I had this plan all lined out before I even became a board member of Trout Unlimited. And so I went to my first meeting, and they asked me to be president right away, and I said, give me one year. No, thank you. I'll be vice president first. Uh, And so I was elected vice president in 2004 at the exact same meeting. Uh, My best friend, George Mertz, it was his first meeting, and he was secretary. Uh, And then a lady named Vi. Vi Andrews was president, and she was the glue that kept that chapter together uh, for a couple of years. So uh, we were able to uh, move forward with a very fine run, and I was chapter president for 10 years, had a great time, raised a lot of money, spent a lot of money, uh, educated mm-hmm. a lot of folks, and overall had a great time. So that was yeah, the headwaters I, I, I want to stop concept. you. I, I want to go back to that uh, that first uh, bullet point about Rusty, and uh, saying that uh, uh, that made you made him mad that you were not given back. Uh, I had not heard that story before. I've known you for, for since uh, early two thousands. I, I think that's a fantastic story, and uh, Rusty really became quite a mentor uh, for you, uh, didn't he? And you, you bounce things off him and. Tell us a little bit more about that relationship, even before you get to the uh, uh, part about Natural Resource Commission. Portis, you think that's oh, sure. good, good? Yeah, let's hear that. 
sure. Uh, and in fact, Rusty used much more colorful language than I made him mad. Uh, so <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, so I continued to uh, just hang out at Gates Lodge. If it was a, a Saturday morning, I was there at 6 o'clock in the morning up in the boardroom having coffee, shooting the bull, but get a better understanding of the dynamics of conservation and just having kind of good conversation. Uh, so it r- was really very cool. Um, when I was in the shop, if it was just him and I, we were talking strategy. You know, how are we going to manipulate this or that, or how are we going to raise money for this project? Uh, all sorts of different strategies that we would discuss. And if anybody walked in the shop, we would talk about fishing. It was really great. So then there was times that I wouldn't be able to get there due to work and what have you. And he'd call me on the phone. He says, I haven't seen you in a while. I said, I'm planning on coming down there tomorrow. I said, okay. He said, okay. So we'd oftentimes meet at Frogwater, which was trout camp on the Asawa uh, that he had. It was a leased property. Uh, And that's where a lot of the conservation strategy and work got done was more so at, at Frogwater. And we'd have dinner out there and uh, really get a chance to talk about good stuff. Well, I was chapter president for a short period of time, uh, maybe three years. And June 23rd, 2008 was a significant date, uh, at least in my life and probably in a few other people's lives. But that's the date where the Golden Lotus Song of the Morning Ranch Dam had breached uh, that Mm. sent tons and tons of sediment down the Pigeon River killing half a million trout. And I called Rusty immediately and said we need to meet at Frogwater and we need to strategize and I need to know what I need to do. So we all met there, we we met there, he and I, and I think Lance was with me, Lance Wyneth, and we talked strategy and Rusty says, listen, the investigation by the biologists will be spot on. They're going to hand it over to the assistant attorney general and they're going to mess it up. So be prepared for that. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, we thought as conservationists, we thought that it would la- the lawsuit would last two years. It lasted six. Uh, well, obviously Rusty passed away December 19, 2009 but he gave me enough tools to get through that process. And I can't thank him enough. So uh, there was a lot of very interesting stories uh, and strategies that we got to endure and, and enjoy. Um, so that was, that was kind of the big one. That's a great background. That's, that's amazing. Rusty had a way of uh, cutting through everything and understanding what was going on and, uh, he was quite a dynamic leader of our conservation efforts, and uh, you never know what you were going to get when you went in that store. Sometimes uh, Rusty wasn't the uh, the jovial uh, commercial uh, a guy running a store. Uh, you, you never know which Rusty was going to show up, but underneath he was always uh, the guy that, that uh, knew what should be done and uh, got people to do it, so we miss him. We miss him. You know, it was kind of funny when I was in the shop when he was around. 
uh, he would answer the phone and it would be a solicitor and the, the solicitor would say, I'd like to speak with the owner of the fly shop. And uh, Rusty would say, uh, you need to talk to Buster and Buster's not here. Well, Buster was his dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <We're laughing. laughs> just the just to divert divert that that traffic. He was he was good at that when he needed to be. Yeah, I, I think he might have pulled that trick with Ruby a couple of times too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, he he was a a great mentor of mine. Uh, I I think it was about 2007, and there was a decision made by the Natural Resources Commission on uh, fishing regulations and I asked them how does somebody get on the natural resources commission and he says I have no idea and I'm thinking how can you have no idea you know everything man well he (laughs) says I don't know but let's figure this out and then we can move forward he says would you like to be I said well not now but at some point I, I would like to at least think about doing that and you know it always was one of those long-term goals that I wasn't aspiring to be necessarily, but evolving to be. I guess it is best put that way. Mm-hmm. So we hmm. started learning how someone gets on the Natural Resources Commission. He passes away, and I thought, well, I'm taking this ball, and I'm running with it, and I'm having fun at the time as chapter president uh, for mm-hmm. Headwaters Chapter. I was on the Board of Anglers of the Asable soon after Rusty passed, actually very beginning of 2010. Um, And then in 2013, I was asked to be vice chairman of Michigan TU. Uh, Rob Smith was the chair or incoming chair. And I thought about it for a while and I thought, okay, let's, let's go that route. And so I then relinquished my duties as president of Headwaters. I was vice chairman of Michigan TU for two years and then chairman for the following two years and had a great time, uh, met a lot of people. Uh, My attitude there was we need to grow as as an entity. And these chapters, there were 23 of them at the time, they had expectations for Michigan TU. Well, Michigan TU had expectations for the chapters, too. So I felt it was my personal obligation, and nobody else told me I had to do it, but I took the personal obligation to go to each chapter board meeting or or function at least once to meet these folks on on the expectations they have for us and the expectations we had for them. And I think Mm -hmm. that really helped solidify uh, some great relationships. I went to the Copper Country chapter in February just to prove a point that weather doesn't matter. And they were very impressed. Mm-hmm. So we had a great time. And you were president or chair of, of TU State for what years, John, again? 2000... Uh, 2015-16. Yep, 15 and 16. 2015 and 2016, yes. Yep, 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 yep. And TU, uh, TU has improved the state uh, in in many ways. Uh, from and, and both uh, Rob Smith was a was a great uh, he did a great job also. Um, yeah. Uh, following him, uh, he he was somewhat of a mentor of yours also, wasn't he? 
Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a mentor, uh, although he and I uh, taught each other a lot of interesting stuff, but I would say he was more of a colleague, and and Mm -hmm. he and I strategized together, implemented plans together, went to TU national conventions together. Uh, we, we were, we were very close. Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's another great conservationist. Oh, well, I, now, I really uh, enjoy Rob Smith. You know, that great one time. hell of a career, John, in conservation. Uh, I I'd like to, hey, Porteous, I'd like to get back to, uh, to fishing. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that John had mentioned at one point, he, he might've even done a little guiding. That's what I'd like to find out about. Uh, I heard a rumor that uh, uh, John Walters did some guiding. And, you know, our our, uh, theme this year for the exhibit that we didn't really have because we've been closed is uh, river guides and their stories. So, man, I'm I'm on the edge of my chair. I'd like to to hear about your guiding experiences, John. So my guiding experiences, uh, I never took a dime. However, uh, Headwaters TU did, Michigan TU did, Anglers of the Asable did. uh, And so whenever someone would ask me to guide them uh, on a trip, uh, I would say, you write a check to those organizations and I'll take you. And so they would, and I would take them. Uh, Many times it would be Sue and I, my wife, my wife Sue and I. So Mm -hmm. it might be a Mm -hmm. couple that would like to learn together. And so Sue would take the lady, I would take the gentleman, and we would go fishing. Uh, one uh-huh. to, and, and oftentimes I would, I would uh, offer to the organization to auction it off at a, at a banquet or a raffle or something along those lines. So mm-hmm. uh, one particular event, uh, a husband and wife uh, bought the trip and uh, it's now time for us to go fishing. When we went uh, into levels at the sheep ranch, and we're getting everything all set up and ready to go, and uh, we've got all the rods and all the reels and all this stuff. And so Sue slams the truck door, and my rod was in the truck door. Mm. Broke my rod. Ow. And the the. The look on the couple's face was like, are you kidding me? They just broke the rod. I said, don't worry about it. I got another one. I pulled another one out of the back of the truck, lined it all up. I said, these things are lifetime guaranteed. It was a Winston rod, and, okay, I'd be out with, from it for a while. But it got repaired, and everything was fine. Uh, but they thought I was going to come unglued, and I was just calm as a cucumber. It was pretty yep. funny. So we had a great time. We caught some nice brook trout, and uh, they got to learn exactly, uh, you know, how to the technique and how to go fishing. And mm. they then sent a letter of thanks to us, uh, but also they enclosed, enclosed the, the note that on the way home, they stopped at Cabela's and bought all brand-new uh, rods, reels, vests, waders, everything. They got all lined up ready, and, and they were making this a – a passion of theirs. So it was really nice. Oh, God, you, you really hooked them. <laughs> yeah. You really hooked them. It may have started when I was calm as a cucumber when my rod got banged into the door. <laughs> <laughs> now, John, you, you, I think you probably uh, auctioned off some uh, 
a guide trips uh, fishing with the president when you were TU chapter president? Yes, that's exactly right, Glenn. Yep, that that was so, a great fundraiser, uh, and uh, that's a good 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 way to do it. And and uh, yeah, and I, I, that way the chapter, the organization gets to to get the proceeds from the money. I didn't want the money. I mean, I wanted to take them and enjoy the the trip together, mm-hmm. but I wanted the organizations that I belong to uh, profit from from the trip. Sure, great fundraiser. I I uh, I want people to know about uh, uh, your email address, which I think is terrific. <laughs> it's long. <laughs> <laughs> Are you well, willing to give out your email address? Oh sure, sure. John J O H N dot. Yes, John J O H N dot Walters. W A L T E R S dot the number eight F is in Frank T is in Thomas the number four W as in Walters T is in Thomas at gmail dot com. So if you <laughs> look at it as a fisherman, it's John dot Walters dot eight foot four weight at gmail dot com. Eight foot full weight, and I think you said that was the first fly rod you bought from uh, the Alpen shop. And my favorite fly rod, eight foot four weight, foot different four brand, weight. but uh, yeah, eight foot four yeah. weight. I think that's super. Which is also John, my you, do you fish a, a Tom Morgan favorite? I do. It's, that is my favorite rod. It's the go-to. <laughs> that's my favorite I love rod. That rod. I do too. John uh, Walters has spent a lot of time on the uh, on the black and the pigeon and the sturgeon, um, mostly brook trout streams. John, what's what's the future of those streams? Are they they still pretty healthy right now? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I will tell you that uh, I absolutely love the North Branch. My wife and I have property on the North Branch, uh, just mm-hmm. downstream of Jackson Hole. Uh, my my favorite river. There is no doubt, and I've. It is no secret either, that it's the pigeon. Uh, I was I started on the oh. pigeon. I know the pigeon, like the back of my hand, uh, from way way upstream all the way down to the to lower reaches. Uh, mm. The pigeon is uh, doing very very well. Uh, I've talked to others that have fished it. I've fished it. Uh, this season, and the trout are fantastic. There are many big browns caught this year, more so mm. than uh, 2008. And in really? 2008, if you remember, is the when the dam went out. When the dam went out. So it is. So that's yeah. That's regained its health. Yes. Now there was some stretch. There was some times in there that it wasn't doing all that hot. Uh, and I think that might be a little bit cyclical, uh, but this this particular year is uh, surprisingly doing very very well. A lot of brook trout, a lot of brown trout. There's some rainbows in there as well. Mm-hmm. That's uh, got to be the a good black feeling, is, is, Oh, it's a great feeling, Glenn. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with all the hard work that went into removing the dam 
if you think about it, six years of litigation, really about uh, six more of uh, restoration, and they're still working on sediment management uh, in that stretch. Uh, it's really refreshing to know that the trout are, are making it and making it back in, in great numbers and great quantity, great size and health. Oh, beautiful. That's a nice river. I think Hemingway tra- uh, fished that river a little bit, didn't he? He did, yes. That w- he fished it more uh, down towards uh, what is called Red Bridge or Webb Road. Uh, down, if you go Wolverine straight east and cross over the main branch of the Pigeon, he was in that general reach. And that made it easy for him to get to since he was at Walloon Lake. Well, I'm I'm uh, delighted that uh, you landed on your feet in Colorado with a wonderful job opportunity and a, a, a new uh, a new area to fish. But I'm a little miffed that I'm not going to get to fish with you in the pigeon and the black this year. I, I had hopes of uh, having you show me the ropes up there on that uh, beautiful water. But maybe when you get back here, they'll give me a call and, and we can uh, put the waders on and go chase some brook trout. Uh, that would be fabulous glenn in fact uh soon i kind of feel that we snuck out of michigan uh under the dark of night uh it was a very <laughs> fast move uh I, mm-hmm. I accepted a job in colorado uh in building materials industry uh i work for a wholesale lumber company called capital lumber we sell to retail lumber yards in colorado uh i accepted a job the first of april we left the last week of April, and I started the first week of May. So we've been out here about three months, not quite three months, but close. Uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. The weather's beautiful. The scenery is spectacular. There is no humidity. There's no mosquitoes. There's no black flies. Uh, we're, we're really loving where we uh, have landed, uh, and we absolutely miss our friends. And podcast listeners, I have seen some pictures of uh, out uh, John and Sue's front porch and, and out the back, and it is beautiful out there, just beautiful. And by the way, Sue is one hell of a fisher lady, isn't she, John? Oh, she she will oftentimes outfish me, and I'm good with it. Uh, we, <laughs> we root for each other to catch great fish, and she catches a lot of great fish. Yes. She's got her hands around a cutthroat earlier from earlier this week in a picture, and that cutthroat trout is absolutely stunning. Isn't that nice? Beautiful. Yes. What a treat. Send us a picture of that, John, because I miss seeing those. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll send it when we're finished here. Perfect. Uh, so we didn't we didn't talk much about the Natural Resources Commission, if, if we have time and if you'd like. Oh, we do. We do. We're 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 at your disposal, sir. We'd love to hear. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Okay. I'm okay. Sorry, I so, cut you off uh, with another question there, but but yeah, go go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Uh, so, I had ended my tenure at Michigan PU, uh, and I had made application to the governor's office to request uh, consideration to be appointed to the Natural Resources commission and the appointments director called me he says i really like 
your resume, both professional and conservation-wise. I sent two resumes, and he says, but we don't know you in Lansing. Other people may know you around the state, but we don't know you in Lansing. He says, I'd like to appoint, uh, have the governor appoint you to a different board called the Rural Development Fund Board, and that board uh, reports directly to the Department of Agriculture, and the director of Department of Ag can get to know you better. The BNR director knew me at the time, and that was a great relationship. That was Keith Cray. Uh, but that way, other people get to know you and how you function on various boards and so on. I said, okay. So that happened, and I served on that board for two years, and I had lunch with the appointments director uh, in September of 2017 and had a great conversation. It was very nice. At the end of the uh, lunch, I asked, because I'm interested in serving on the NRC, which commissioners are term limited and which ones will not get reappointed and when? He says, well, I don't have that with me right now, but I will certainly get back to my office and I'll let you know later today. So he did that and he let me know later that day. And one of them was not going to get reappointed. And so he says, if you'd like to apply, apply now. And the bells and whistles went off in my mind and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going for it. And I'm going for it now. So I made application then a second time and two weeks later, I got a call indicating that I would be appointed to the commission. Uh, but I had to wait until the press release came out. And this was mid-October. The press release didn't come out till after Christmas. And I was chomping at the bit to tell <laughs> my friends and my family. I, I told my wife knew, of course, but very, very few people knew that I was mm-hmm. the next uh, commissioner. So I became commissioner basically January 1st, 2018. I absolutely had the time of my life while serving on the NRC. I got to meet all sorts of great people in all sorts of different walks of, of, uh, hunting and fishing and conservation. And I got to listen to what their points were, whether I agreed or disagreed, I listened. And I wanted to at least capture the different aspects of how people looked at an issue so that I could make the best decision when it came time for vote. And when someone would ask, well, how are you going to vote on this issue? I would tell them. I I said, I want you to know, and I don't want it to be a surprise, and this is not a secret, and we're having good discussion and dialogue. And we may agree on a certain matter, and disagree on a different matter, but all in all, we're looking out for what's best for the fish and the wildlife in the state of Michigan, and that comes first. Much and so I did that for two and a half years. Did that for two and a half years, and then uh, I had to resign to take this job out here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. That was a hard decision, but it was the right decision. Yes, uh, John. For for some of our our listeners may not be fully aware of uh, the NRC and its role. Uh, would you just summarize that fairly quickly for everybody? Certainly, uh, it is a board of seven. Uh, the board uh, is composed of both Democrat and Republican. That's in statute. Uh, 
and it is an appointment by the governor. Uh, so the commission does a few things. They regulate all fishing and hunting rules and regulations, uh, and they vote on that. And then they also uh, decide method of take and seasons for the method of take. Those are the three primary roles. The other function that they do is advise the Department of Natural Resources uh, on various aspects of management. They meet once a month, uh, second Thursday of each month. Uh, they just met yesterday, and I was a uh, listener yesterday, uh, which was... Were you? Okay. It was fun, but it, it's kind of difficult at the same time because I know where they're coming from, and I can't. I don't have a voice anymore. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's challenging. I want to say, listen, this is how I believe this ought to be, but I don't have a say. So I just listen, and, nope. and they do a fine job. And uh, there's are there a couple of openings now in the NRC, or, or have any of those been filled yet? Those, yeah, there were three after I had resigned, and all three of those got filled, and the three new commissioners uh, took office and were at the meeting yesterday. Mm. Do we know any of those commissioners? Uh, we, I know uh, Carol Rose. I've known her, geez, since I started in conservation. Uh, and she okay. will do a magnificent job. I, I was really proud of uh, her yesterday. She made some very key points relative to uh, protecting fish and wildlife, and I was really proud. Uh, then J.R. Richardson, this is a reappointment for him. Uh, he had term limited out. He served on a different board, and then the governor uh, put him back on the NRC. So I actually served with J.R. Richardson. He's from Montanagan the first year that I was commissioner. And then the other one, uh, I don't know. His name is Michael something. I, I can't recall his name right offhand, last name. Uh, but he's from Lansing, and uh, he did a very, very nice job. Uh, he stood up for what he thought was right uh, and Voted. It was a single no vote uh, on a couple different matters, and I, I think that's good because it shows that he has a different look and outlook on that particular issue, and it's what he believes in and what he finds to be true. So I was really proud that he, in his first meeting, didn't feel the pressure to just vote with the rest of them. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I think it. I think he'll make a very fine commissioner as well. Well, I have to uh, uh, echo your comments about Carol Rose. I think those of our listeners that know Carol will uh, are just delighted for the resource that she's uh, been been made a commissioner. She will do a fantastic job. She's done a terrific job with the Black River. I think she was the chairman of the Black River Association, isn't she? Hasn't she been for quite a few years? Yes, that's exactly right. And she was also uh, chairman of the Wildlife Committee uh, that was a committee made up of uh, uh, stakeholders and business owners and so on to, to improve the educational efforts on Michigan wildlife. So uh, I believe she resigned from that, that to, to take 
take the post of the NSA. I think that was a gubernatorial appointment also, wasn't it? That's correct, yes. Yep. Yeah, she's going to be great. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like All she's right. replacing you, John. <laughs> well, that's, thanks. That's my, that's my take on it. Carol Rose is replacing Walters, so uh, we feel good about that. The hey, Glenn, uh, John, I've got a question for you, sir. On that, on that whole, on the whole conservation front, what do you see as the big challenges as we go into the next three to five years? Um, well, certainly, industry as it pertains to uh, gas and oil, and uh, let's face it, Enbridge. Uh, for the most part, does a pretty darn good job, but there are times that they fail, and they fail miserably. Uh, you know, and the, the leak on two different occasions under the Mackinac Bridge is a failure miserably. So, I mean, that's in the forefront. That's coming, and that, that continues to be a battle, not just with conservationists, but now with uh, the the governor's office, the DEQ, sure. the DNR. Uh, in fact, the uh, DNR director just asked them to, to re-sign a different sort of agreement today. Uh, so that's certainly one. Uh, uh, gas and oil exploration tends to be a hot topic on a fairly regular basis. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think what is best that could best be done is having dialogue and discussion with MOGA, Michigan Oil and Gas Association, and conservation, because there's a lot of conservationists, believe it or not, on the MOGA side, and you're not going to agree with everything, and that's okay. They know that, and we know that, but there are elements of it that you can find common ground. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, I, I love driving my truck. I'm not going to walk to work. Uh, you know, my office is in Denver. I live two and a half hours away. I'm going to drive my pickup. Uh, mm-hmm. So fossil fuels are, are part of our life and have been for a long time and will be for a long time. Uh, so that, that's certainly a big aspect. Uh, dam removal, I think, is another one. Uh, and what, that's what really is? getting some great play, dam removal. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or restoration, either one. Uh, there's a lot of old, antiquated dams out in Michigan, and there's there's been some really great play uh, lately on either repair or removal or the discussion thereof. Uh, the most recent dam failure down near Midlands in Sanford. Oh, boy. Sanford. I believe it was a disaster. maybe yeah Sanford yeah was a disaster mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know if you can blame any one entity other than it was a 20 year old problem that never got resolution well that's a mm-hmm. bigger problem right so I think if we take a more much more forward proactive approach not on that dam because that one's water under the bridge uh, but more so on the other ones that there's thousands of dams out there. 
what are we doing about them? And what is the DNR doing about them? What is DEQ doing about them? What are we as conservationists doing about them? Uh, mm-hmm. I know Trout Unlimited is really focused on dams and dam safety. Uh, so I think that's a big part of where we're headed as well. And, and then certainly, uh, depending on your viewpoint on it, but uh, global warming or um, that sort of element in our life today uh, is something that we all have to deal with. Uh, whether you agree with the, the argument that it, it's occurring or disagree with the argument that is occurring, we're all going to deal with the regulations and and the fight for some time to come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The big three. Those are the ones I see. Yep. yep. No. And I'm sure no. there are more. And the, no. the ones that the ones that just happen to pop up are the most difficult ones because now you're reacting versus being proactive to, to fight the good fight. Uh, we, we were encouraged with uh, the appointment of the current uh, uh, DNR director, Dan Eichinger. Uh, are, we still, are we still happy with him from a Michigan standpoint, John, from your perspective? I know even from your perspective in Colorado, which is you're looking down on us now from 8,000 feet, so it ought to be better than when you were here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking halfway across the country. Uh, I think Dan Eichinger uh, is a great director, is doing really phenomenal things, uh, and he sets the tone, and the tone is very good. Uh, and let's face it, even the department has been working on skeletal crew since March. So they're doing some great stuff out there. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of what the uh fisheries and wildlife biologists are doing the foresters are in my opinion rock stars out there and i gotta say absolute kudos to the conservation officers that that represent our state and serve our state uh if it wasn't for the co's uh, we would be in big trouble Uh, i'm i love those guys and gals Mm -hmm. so uh kudos to our conservation officer uh, but Dan sure. Eichinger is the leader, is the leader of of the troops, and uh, he sets the tone, and the tone is right. Mm-hmm. That's good to Andy hear. Andy Yeah, I I sure like uh, what he stands for and how he's handling things and uh, the, the the resource benefits. Absolutely. Well, you like fishing in Colorado, huh? I do. In fact, uh, uh, I've heard many of your podcasts, uh, and one of the questions that you ask is, what is your favorite fly? Yeah. Well, my favorite fly, if you would have asked me in March when I was still in Michigan, uh, I would have said the March Brown, the Robert Shallow Drake. Uh, That fly I have used. Uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Different sizes, same pattern. Uh, mm-hmm. That fly is phenomenal. Uh, since Colorado gets very few mayflies in general, I have adapted some of my Michigan flies, uh, the Asable skunk and the deer fly, uh, to mm-hmm. these waters. 
and the deer fly is a rock star. Really? I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding damn. you. It was great in Michigan, too. Uh, but yep, in Michigan, yep. it's it's really good in late July and August. Mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. it has been a rock star since I got here in May. I'll be damned. And the skunk and you mentioned, fish, too, huh? The Asaba skunk, they crushed that thing. It is really? phenomenal. So Is that the I, black I have, one with the little white wing? It's a rubber leg. It's, it's probably a size six or eight. It's a big mm-hmm. fly, uh, but it's mm-hmm. just an attractor type pattern. And sure. fish think it's a big meaty, meaty bug. So they're going to hammer that thing. Uh, I, I have to say that I am not an accomplished nymph fisherman. Uh, I, I haven't really done much nymphing. So the way that you catch many fish in Colorado is with a nymph. Well, I'll take that Asable skunk and or deer fly and throw a dropper on, and then I'm then I'm in heaven. I'm hitting two different opportunities, and they'll take either one. So I, I feel like I'm doing okay. Now, now does your 8-foot 4 weight work out there, or you have to have a 7 weight? No, no, no. I I use my 8-foot 4 weight. I'll use an 8.5, 4, 9-foot uh, 5. It all depends okay. on the river, and, and, and sure. mo- most of the streams that I'm fishing are, are small and, and tributaries and creeks. Um, mm-hmm. The Arkansas, the Arkansas River, uh, which, if you ask someone from Colorado, uh, is the best river in the state, flows right through Salida, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Salida, Colorado. Uh, is a bit like northern Michigan in that on the weekends, folks from Denver, folks from Colorado Springs flood to get here. Uh, The Arkansas River is big, it's fast, it's wide, and it's deep. Uh, I know how to wade pretty well, as does Sue. And I looked at her, I said, uh, this river is very challenging. Don't take a wrong step because you're going to take a ride. Uh, And it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's wait for the river to go down, get the snow melt past us, which will probably in all reality be late August or September to go back to the Arkansas. But in the meantime, the tributaries are phenomenal. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have fallen in love with so many different streams around here. It's unbelievable. Uh, I love the South Platte. The South Platte is about an hour and a half from here. It goes through 11 Mile Canyon, and it is flat out gorgeous. Hmm. Hey, John, have some pictures you, of those? Haven't you sent some of us to us? To us? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. John, I'm yes, curious. John. Have you uh, have you made it over to Lyons uh, to visit the South Creek Shop? I have not you know been that? up to Lyons. Uh, that's that's further north than Denver, and I'm about two and a yep. half hours south of Denver. Hey, uh, yeah, you're the we, other side, but it's uh, <laughs> it's a pretty cool little fly shop. <laughs> if you have I've visited. I visited yeah, I actually visited that fly shop uh, back in '96 or 2006 
when I was in Denver for a national TU convention, we, we took an afternoon and went up there and uh, fished the St. Rain and man, what a beautiful stream. But I've been over to Gunnison uh, and I fished the Gunnison River, fished Taylor Creek, uh, East Creek, East Creek and Taylor Creek. When they join, that actually starts the Gunnison. So uh, it, it's just beautiful trout streams all around us. Well, well, it's, John, it's exciting to hear that you. I'm sorry. It's exciting to hear right. that you've got uh, some new waters to find and uh, n- new adventures to be had with Sue. It's just awesome. Yeah, thank you. And they're taking advantage of it, guys. That's terrific. John, oh, we will I, be uh, back. We will be back yeah. in Michigan. There's no doubt. We uh, as much as we love it here. Uh, yeah. Do you have any trichos out there, John? Yes. Uh, I was fishing uh, a couple weeks ago on Michigan Creek. Michigan oh. Creek is a tributary to the South Platte, long way away from the South Platte. But mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a Michigan Creek in <laughs> Colorado, and there is. And I st- we stumbled on it, and we were fishing these beaver ponds, and there were trichos coming off. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, beautiful. They're just starting here now. We're starting to get some trichos and uh, wonderful hatch. Oh, it's one of the best. I consider it hex fishing during the daytime because you can't see the hex at night and you can't see the trichos during the day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. (laughs) I like that. John, are they a little bigger out there? Um. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you still might have a like 20 more of an instead 18? of a 22. Yeah. Mm, I'd say that might be a little bigger than, than what I've seen. I'll call it more of a 20 versus a 22 or a 24. Um, right on. But you still you still need magnifiers and, and all the rest of it to tie those yeah. crazy things on. Uh, I was listening to the podcast this morning. Yeah, I was listening to your podcast this morning with Josh Nethers, and he was describing the 9X fluorocarbon that Terry Warrington would use. I'm thinking, yes. I'm not even in the position to buy a fool. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> well, John, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to talk with us and uh, share your stories with us. and. Uh, just uh, wish you and Sue the best out there. It's uh, it's hard to have a bad time in Colorado, so I know you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I am tremendously honored to to be a guest on your on your program on your podcast. And uh, as I mentioned, we do feel a little bit like we snuck out of Michigan uh, out the back door uh, through the UP uh, under the darkness of night. But uh, I will it's... tell you that uh, the friends. The friends that we've left in Michigan, uh, we miss tremendously, and uh, it's not goodbye. Just see you soon. Exactly. So next hey, time you're in John, town, it's... let us know, and we'll have a bourbon. <laughs> right on. Hey, we, we look forward hey, to getting back here, John, and uh, we're, we're going to sneak down and take a look at your water tomorrow, maybe do a little fishing, and I'll, uh, I'll send you a uh, Maybe a, maybe a text with a picture if uh, we're successful. Otherwise, uh, I'll just give you a nice report on the on email. And big big oh, hugs fantastic. to Sue. Tell her uh, we we love her and love you guys. And 
uh, know you're having a good time out there, and we look forward to seeing you again when, uh, whenever you can get back. So thanks again for spending the afternoon with us, and uh, I think our, I think our uh, listeners are going to enjoy this one very much. So thanks, John, and the very best to you. Good fun. Hey, as always, uh, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. And uh, if you're enjoying it as much as we're enjoying putting it out, uh, share with a couple of friends. We could always use a new listener, too. So until then, we'll look forward to speaking with you next week. Enjoy and stay safe.